Hello and welcome to The Family Show. I'm your host, Eleanor Rossman, and joining me today and every week are Brendan Randy Lee. Good to be with you. How are you doing? It's always a pleasure to be with both of you. Um, and I think we're going to, what are we going to talk about water today? Oh, oh, Jesus is walking on water. <laughs> Jesus walking, right? Um, which, which came up recently in the, in the Sunday gospel. Yes, it right? did. It Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee. And for me, this is a great gospel because I love gospels that make no sense. No sense. <laughs> I know That's you exactly Right. And this gospel makes no sense, right? I mean, think about this. We were out at, at St. Matthew's in Dauphin, and Deacon, uh, I think it's Derwas, um, pointed out that the apostles see Jesus walking on the water during the fourth watch, mm-hmm. right? So what time is the fourth watch, right? And, and Deacon says, it's between 3 and 6 a.m. Okay. Okay, between. So, so what are the apostles doing on the water between 3 and 6 a.m.? And well, Deacon Derwas tells us that they're halfway done with rowing the seven miles across the Sea of Galilee to the opposite shore, hmm. right? So, and, and not only are they only halfway through the seven-mile journey at they need a motor. 4 o'clock. They, right. <laughs> exactly, well, exactly. They I don't think do, they right? Because okay. they're in the midst of this huge storm, and they're being battered by the waves. Like, Brent, talk about needing a motor. Mark tells us that they are, because he's got the same thing, same story, that they are straining at the oars but making no progress, okay. right? And they are exhausted. Right. you got to put this story now into... Now it's, it's a clearer picture to me right now that they are, you, you know, rowing and they, not making any progress they are at making all, no and they're progress. exhausted. And, okay. and, and this gets, you put it in context, and it makes even less sense, right? You think about how their day starts, right? They get up in the morning, they're hanging out, and John the Baptist's disciples come running up to tell Jesus that Herod has just beheaded John the Baptist. Okay. That's how the day starts, right? Obviously, this profoundly affects Jesus. After all, this is the first person to proclaim Jesus, mm-hmm. and he did it from his mother's womb, yeah. right? In addition, however, some of Jesus' disciples started out as John's disciples, Yes. So this is really a blow to everybody, right? So much so that Jesus just says, come on, guys, we got to get away from the crowds. We got to get to a lonely place, right? So they all get in their boat. How many boats? Was it one? One. Yeah. They they get in the boat, Right. right? And off they go to a lonely place so they can recoup, so they can chill out, right? Unfortunately, by the time they get to the lonely place, Mm -hmm. right? There are 5,000 just men, not women and not counting women and children, waiting for them on the other shore, right? All told, there's got to be well over 10,000 people there and they all want to be healed, (laughs) right? We'll get to the Fed. First of all, they all want to be healed, right? That's first thing's got to happen, Right. So the quiet time in the lonely place becomes the gospel's biggest healing service, mm-hmm. right? So Jesus is just doing mass production healing, heal, 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 keep them coming, keep them coming, right? The 12 apostles are doing crowd control for 10,000 desperate people. It starts late in the morning, early in the afternoon, and they're doing this 
all the way into the evening, right? Finally, evening comes. The apostles are exhausted, but they're relieved because at least they're done. They go to Jesus. Bren, you foreshadowed this perfectly. They go to (laughs) Jesus, right? And they're like, Jesus, the day is over. Send everyone into the towns to get food. They need to eat. We've got nothing. Send the people away. And Jesus is like, we got to have something. Yeah. Right? And the apostles are like, yeah, five loaves and two fishes. For this crowd, that's nothing. Jesus. Enough for us, in other words. Maybe. Yeah. Not even, I mean, you think about it, not even enough for 13 of them, 12 well, apostles. Yeah. Right? I mean, Jesus, be reasonable about this. Yeah. Right? Jesus is like, you remember, full day of work, you sit them down, get them ordered, all bless the food, and then you can take the food around to the crowd. Right. So for, you take the abuse. Yeah, yeah, for, for, yeah, you get the abuse, and you got to walk around 10,000 people, yeah. right? And cover the whole giant center, mm-hmm. right? The apostles are like, we're tired. We have been at this all day. But they do as they're told, right? No sooner than they have distributed food to 10,000 people, which they never thought was going to happen, but no sooner than they finish that, then what's Jesus do? He tells them, pick up the leftovers. Exactly. (laughs) Go back around the giant center, pick up the scraps. (laughs) I love the giant center. Right? So, So they go out, they pick up the scraps, they bring them back to Jesus. Now what's Jesus say? Jesus says, okay, I'll dismiss the crowds. Then I'll go up in the hills to pray. You guys take the boat and go across the lake. <laughs> right? It's nighttime. Right? He goes, I'll meet you on the other side. They're like, how? There's only one boat. Oh, right. Right? Jesus, if we take the one boat, you're stuck here. Right? On top of that, we are fishermen. We know the sky. We know the sea. There is a massive storm coming in, right? Assuming it took us three hours to do dinner, and I don't know how they what you do for watches in, in the night in those times, right? <laughs> but assuming it took three us for three hours to do dinner, it's nine o'clock at night. You don't go trying to cross the sea at nine o'clock at night with a storm coming in. Listen, Jesus, here's the deal. <laughs> we'll wait till morning. We'll all go over together. Jesus says no. Right. In fact, Matthew tells us Jesus made them get into the boat. Oh, okay. yeah. Jesus made yeah. them get into the wow. boat. They didn't, they, In Jesus, other words, they didn't want to. They right? didn't want to. No, yeah. I mean, it's exactly what I'm telling you. They're looking at this and there is nothing that makes it have any rational reason for them to go paddling off at nine o'clock at night. Right. But ultimately, because Jesus told them to, they go. Now, under normal circumstances, and this is kind of mind-boggling, goes back to what Brenda was talking about, under normal circumstances, this should be a one, maybe two-hour trip total, mm-hmm. right? If, if, if everything's calm on the sea, one, two-hour tops. Roughly six hours later, they're still rowing, and they're only about halfway across. That's how crazy the sea is, right? The, the storm is just terrible. These guys are emotionally spent. John the Baptist, right? All the miracles, you know, six hours of healing, feeding the thousands. 
Since dawn, they've been rowing, running around. They haven't slept. They're exhausted. And now they're all going to drown. Right. right? On top of it all. Exactly. On top of everything. Right. Curious thing. They knew. They knew the storm was coming. How come Jesus didn't know? The guy's omniscient. He's all-knowing. The wind and the waves obey him. He just didn't say. That was, he, how could he not have known mm-hmm. the storm was coming? Right? He did know. And if he knew, then he purposefully sent his apostles into that storm. And they had to be thinking, what in the world? That's right. But, um, and you think about this and go, this guy's twisted. He sent his apostles, his friends, right into the storm. And he had to know. And he had to know, right? And then the constant in this equation, talk about not making sense, the constant in this equation is that this is a God who cares for us. Yeah. Right? He couldn't leave the the wounded unhealed. Right. Or unfed. Exactly. He couldn't send the multitude away from the lonely place without feeding them first. But he could send his apostles Mm. into a life-threatening storm. How prophetic. Right? Yeah. I mean, talk about crazy. Right? And so what's that tell us? Christ wants us to encounter storms. Yeah. Right? Which is, for me, completely counterintuitive. Yeah. Right? As a husband, as a parent, what do I want to do? I want to protect my family. You want to be a peacemaker. I want to, I want to yeah. insulate, insulate my family yeah. from harm. Yes. Yeah. Right? So if I just work hard enough, if I make enough money, I ought to be able to insulate right. them from harm. Mm-hmm. But then we hit this story, Matthew 14, and Christ wants us to encounter storms. Mm-hmm. Right? They're part of life as he's designed it. And isn't he actually preparing them for what they're going to face in the future. Well, that's that's what we got to kind of get our head yeah. wrapped around is that these storms that we are trying to protect ourselves yes. from, mm-hmm. there's good in these storms. Yeah. There's good in encountering them. Mm-hmm. And, and we got to, like, just get out of the way and embrace the path that he's got for us, yes. even if there are storms on it. Yes. Yeah, it's funny because I was watching my granddaughter... You know, she's only like 19 months, but you know, they're so fun and everything. Oh, and yeah. She came down the slide, and of course, she fell and she got. But, you know, I watched her with her mom, and she's crying, but her mom immediately hugs her. They get like a Sesame Street band aid. And it, I'm like, you hate for them to get hurt and stuff, but it was just like she knew her mom was going to give her such comfort. And within seconds, you know, she's back up there. Yeah. But, you know, it's like the storm. With Christ, we are all going to have storms, several each day, but you got to know the presence of God. We trust in his presence through these storms. You know, Brent, it's exactly what you said. We learn that God is the source of comfort mm-hmm. by encountering the storms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to really, that, that again, living in the present moment, uh, rather than projecting into the future or thinking about the past, Helps to keep us grounded to say, okay, what is God's plan in this moment? 
And it's a relief. When we constantly live in the future, we don't know. No. We don't know, but we worry. What do we think we're we in worry. charge of? Yeah, exactly. If you take the present moment and know that God is with you, it's a relief. And as parents, aren't we really called to prepare our children for the storms they're going to encounter? Right. Nobody gets out of here. Right. Scott Free. That is exactly right. It's built into the program. Well, speaking of getting out of here, we got to take a break. Um, how was that transition, right? <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to The Family Show on Holy Family Radio. Stay tuned. show with Brendan Randy Lee. We're talking about Bible stories that don't make any sense. Well, that initially anyway. It's a great, right? It's a great story about not making any sense, right? The first half of the story we've been talking about where Jesus, right, sends them into the, sends the apostles into the stormy sea, right? And, and, you know, we get this, this lesson, you know, reality in the first half of the story that, that Jesus sends us into these storms which is not inconsistent with him wanting to feed us, wanting to keep us safe, wanting to heal us, being in love with us, which, I mean, it just seems counterintuitive. Yeah. If you, if you wanted all those things, you wouldn't let us go into the storm. Right. Make us go into the storm. Right. right. And somehow all this is supposed to make sense. But as we go deeper in the story, it just gets weirder. <laughs> right. So let's, let's go further into the story. Right. So in fact, one more crazy thing is that Jesus has spent the day healing and feeding the masses in human terms, right, their masses, right, to Jesus, their individuals, right? But these are theoretically to the apostles, these are relative strangers that Jesus has been healing and feeding. And he sends his best friends into the storm, right? And then when Jesus finally does show up walking on the water, if you're reading this story in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 6, Mark tells us, Jesus intended to pass them by. Mm. Wait, you can command the waves, you can command the wind, right? And you pass me by, right? In the storm, right? We already know that you can do all that stuff from Mark 4, because Mark 4 is when Jesus sleeps through the storm in the back of the boat, right? He's He's, he's sleeping during the storm, yeah. right? Another story that doesn't make a lot of sense. Your boat's being tossed around on the sea. You're getting soaked by the waves, and you don't wake up, right? <laughs> How's that work, right? You don't care. Oh, I mean, but, but how do you, even if he wanted to stay asleep, how do you do that right. in that storm, right? What's Jesus doing there? But anyway, right, in, in that story, the apostles ultimately wake Jesus up, and he calms the storm, stills the sea, so we know he can do it. Right. So back when he's walking on water, right, Jesus, you walk all the way out here on water. You see me trapped in the storm and you intend to leave me, to Mm -hmm. pass me by. Mm -hmm. How can you love me? How can you be my friend? 
right, and pass me by, right? Completely crazy. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Peter's response is actually even crazier, right? So, so go back to Mark 4. Jesus is asleep in the boat. At least the apostles are sane, right? Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, right? You're in the storm. You're in a crisis. What do you do? You wake Jesus up. You tell him to save you, mm -hmm. right? That makes sense. Save me from my crisis. And maybe you even have a bit of attitude <laughs> when you do, right? And, and that's exactly what we see the apostles do in Mark 4, where Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. Master, are you not afraid that we may drown? Mm -hmm. right? Come on, man. Wake don't up you and care. save us. Yeah, don't you care? Wake up, save us, right? That's a sane response. But what does Peter do when he sees Jesus walking past them on the water? Lord, if it is you, command me, not command the storm, command me yeah. to come to you on the water. Well, they all thought he was a ghost. Remember that yeah, part, right. too. Okay. And so, so that's what he's, Peter's response to this situation is the first thing he wants in this storm yeah. is validation that it's Jesus yeah. who is present. Right. If it's you, if it's you, right. prove it. Mm -hmm. Right? And then the proof. How's Jesus prove it's him and not some ghost? If it's you, you'll want me to beware. With you. Exactly. If it's really you, you will want me to be with you, so call me to you now. Yeah. That's what Peter says. If it's really you, you mm -hmm. will want me to be with you, so prove it. Call me to you now. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think about that, and I go, wow, is that my prayer in crisis? Mm. Right? Do I pray save me from this, yeah. or do I pray, be with me in this? Mm, that, great point. That's a little oh. one thing for me, right? Yeah. Again, just more craziness, craziness, right? Peter not only doesn't even ask for Jesus to make his situation better, doesn't say, calm the storm, from, but from an earthly perspective, he's asking Jesus to make his situation worse. As dangerous as the storm is for the people in a boat, it's even more dangerous mm -hmm. for the people not in a boat. <laughs> right. right? When someone gets swept off the deck in a storm and we yell, man, overboard, bye -bye. we're not saying, yeah. great idea, I yeah. wish I'd thought of that. Right. Right, we're saying gotta go save this guy or yeah. he's lost for good. Mm -hmm. But here's Peter saying, Lord, the important thing for me in this storm is not to be safe, to be with you. That's exactly right. The important thing in this storm is for me to be with you. Mm -hmm. You're my real protection, you're my real salvation. Right? Interesting thing, Peter never says. Bid me to walk on water. You know, in my mind, I swear that's what I heard. That he asked to walk on water, but he, he asks, "Bid me to come to you." Wow! I bid never... me to come to you. Yeah. Peter was an excellent swimmer. We know that from the first breakfast story in John, 
when Peter dives into the water fully dressed and swims to Jesus. That's now, right. If you've ever been in a wet sw- sweatshirt swimming competition, <laughs> right, in a wet sweatshirt swimming, and they have these things, when you swim, when your clothes on, your clothes get heavy. soaking wet and they weigh a ton. That's exactly right. You're carrying a lot of extra drag. Yeah. It is hard to swim in clothing. Mm-hmm. But Peter makes it across the lake fully dressed. Peter is an excellent swimmer. I think when Peter climbs out of that boat, he's fully expecting to swim to Jesus. To try to swim to Jesus. Oh. And then his hit his foot hits the water and he doesn't sink. It's solid, yeah. Right? It it's solid. His foot can't penetrate the water. That's when Peter walks on water. Yeah. Right? Lord, I know that you have brought me to this storm. And you know I'm scared. But I also know that if you stay with me and allow me to come to you in this storm through you, I will do extraordinary things. And how often do we let Jesus pass us by without asking him Mm -hmm. to come to him, to be with him to in this crisis, whatever? We just, you know, we where worry. are you? Oh, we we worry. Just, where, yeah. where, where are you? Why aren't you? Or we will settle for him calming the sea yeah. when he wants us to walk on water. Yeah. Right? Lord, if I just walk with you, if that's my priority is walking with you, you will allow me to do things beyond my wildest imagination. That's what this story is about. Right? Only in that recognition does the story make sense. In the boat, there's, as you guys have been saying, there's so much despair, there's so much anxiety, it's like your soul is being squeezed out of you. Yeah. Right? And suddenly Peter sees Jesus, and suddenly the most important thing in life is no longer survival. Mm. Like, it's no longer staying alive, as the Bee Gees say, right? Yeah. It's being with Christ. Yeah. Wherever he's going, And when we get to that point where the most important thing is just being with Christ wherever he's going, when we see that and we suddenly find ourselves, that's when we will suddenly find ourselves walking on water. We got to get to the point where the most important thing is being with Jesus, and then we will see ourselves walking on water. And I think you're right in thinking that it's human of us to focus on how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I know a lot of times when I'm scared, it often comes out as anger. Mm-hmm. I get angry at something, mm-hmm. you know, but again, I make that transition. But how often do I say, Lord, just a minute, just please be with me in this. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do next, but I know you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get so confused about this story because we get, oh, Peter sunk. Yeah, right. I know, that, we right. think that's the point of the story is he takes his focus off cross. <laughs> he sinks. I think the focus of the story is that in crisis, Peter wasn't trying to solve the problem. Peter was trying to get closer to Christ. Until he took his eyes off of Jesus. Well, that's exactly right. When, when I'm with Christ in the crisis, extraordinary things are going to happen. When I take my eyes off of Christ in the crisis, then, then that's when the crisis gets And it's worse. a real temptation to do it, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, in all honesty. Monsignor King, Monsignor Bill King, has, has a great story, right? Here's this priest, right? He, he loves God. He's, he's doing God's work. He's a high-performing individual. 
and he's struck with this medical issue. This is a few years ago, right? I back pain, maybe I forget what it was, but anyway, debilitating pain. He yeah. can't shake it. All this good, important work is on hold, right? And and it all comes to a halt. And he's like, "Lord, why me? Mm. You know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking?" Right? And God responds to him, "Bill, I just wanted to spend time with you, right?" This crisis is for you to get your eyes and your time and your heart back on me. Yeah, what does it take to get our attention sometimes? Let's be honest. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I, and and I, I don't mean to, to minimize people in crisis, right? Because it's horrible, right? Yeah. I really don't know why Jesus sends us out to sea at 11 o'clock at night when a storm is coming, right? <laughs> but I know it's not because he doesn't love us or he's forgotten us or he intends to pass us by. I know that Jesus thirsts, that he hungers to be with us. And when we get to the point when we hunger to be with him, when we will get out of the boat to be with him regardless of the cost, that's when extraordinary things happen in our Mm -hmm. lives. You know, Lord, just get our attention. Let us remember you whenever we hit a storm. And as you said, hold it. Hold our attention. Keep our our focus on you. Yep. We're out of time, but we invite you to join us every Friday at 1230 on AM720 for The Family Show. And keep us in your prayers. For Brendan and Randy Lee, we leave you with the beautiful sound of seasons.